Hello, and welcome to Talkie Talk, the podcast for the MediaBias.com. I'm Chris, and I'm joined today by David. Hello. TJ. Hello. Brent. Hello. And ghosts, because they're always around us. Ooh. Uh, we're going to talk about what we've been watching, a little bit of Survivor, and then some news, and then we'll give you a blind recommendation of what to watch next weekend. That's what we do on this podcast, in case you guys forgot. Uh... Kind of a slow morning, I feel like, mentally for all of us. We've not really yeah. been firing on I'm just hoping there's a way for you to talk into the podcast to be over. <laughs> I mean, that can happen at any point. That's <laughs> true. Uh, yeah, so let's get into it. Who wants to start? I'll go. Okay. TJ, what have you been watching? I watched two movies this week. Two 2020 films. Oh, Barbara Walters. Yeah, <laughs> just watched all the episodes. You've I've been watched... watching 2020 on Hulu. <laughs> I started at the beginning. <laughs> saw both competing Barbara Walters biopics. Uh, I watched uh, Nicolas Cage movie, The Color Out of Space. Cool. Based off the H.P. Lovecraft story. Um, I don't know that I would call this movie good. Yeah, <laughs> when I asked you about it, I was like, "Was it good?" You texted back, "Um, yeah?" Question mark. The plot is lacking. The acting, aside from Nick Cage, is pretty bad. Okay. Um, but Nick Cage, it is a movie where Nick Cage is turned to 12 and it works. So it's not like bad Nick Cage. Right. Um, but yeah, it's weird. Do you all know the like history of this with the director, Richard no. Stanley? Do you know anything about that? So the last movie he directed was Half of the Island of Dr. Moreau. Oh. He's the director who got fired halfway through because Brando hated him. And he has not made a film since. Huh. So that was like, what, 95? Mm-hmm. Around there, mid-90s. So this is his like first film back. Um, technologically, it's pretty great. The colors are good, which I guess they need to be. Um, and the special effects are just bonkers good. It's way more of a horror movie uh, than you would expect, which is weird coming from an H.P. Lovecraft work. Yeah. But, uh... It's it's something I'd recommend um, if you're a fan of if you're a cage head if you're a cage head or if you're just a fan of like that kind of movie like if you liked Mandy you'll probably be like oh this one's okay it's not nearly as good as Mandy okay um, yeah it was good a lot of the uh, the colors happening off screen they do a really good job of projecting that like its hue on the screen that you're seeing. Okay. Because uh, they don't want to show you it's like Genesis for a while. Okay. Um, but, yeah, again, like, if you ask me what happened in the movie, I could tell you, but it, it would be pretty boring. So, I'm not real sure what the plot was. Which makes sense with Lovecraft, too. I don't know if y'all have ever, like, read or seen any other adaptations of Lovecraft, but his stories are just, like, fucking weird in there. Yeah. You know what I mean? A lot There's of not, accounts like, of things being absolutely undescribable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> described them. Right. Yeah, I love... There's the... Uh, comedy podcast I listen to where they talk about how lazy they think H.P. Lovecraft was that his big hook was just like I just it's just so black I just it's the black is black I, there's no other words that I can use <laughs> and it's like yeah I mean I guess that's the, you know pretty lazy because this is the medium in which you do describe things <laughs> it's unimaginable don't even try it's just more than that yeah the thing you're imagining it's worse it's so existential if you exist you can't even just do it uh, a weird like cameo, but not really, by Tommy Chong is in the movie, uh, which wasn't 
real shitty. Okay. Um, and then once the horror starts happening, it's pretty good. Okay. Um, but again, not for its storytelling aspects as much. Uh, this is Richard Stanley. That's the director's name. He seems like he's started off pretty good for trying to do his project, which is a, a trilogy of H.P. Lovecraft adaptations. So I assume he'll get to do the next one because this got pretty good reviews out of like the festival circuit, mm-hmm. which technically came out in 2019, I guess, but 2020 for the public, mm-hmm. unless you were at TIFF or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll keep an eye out for him because it's at least fun to watch, especially mm-hmm. if you can keep getting Nick Cage. Yeah. So you, so you liked the second half of it? Yeah. So he's only really good at half movies? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, apparently, I mean, the shit with Out of Dr. Moreau was like 100% on Brando and not him. Okay. It was Brando refused to learn a script. Uh, I had to have a, wanted an earpiece in for all of his scenes to be fed lines. <laughs> and Richard Stanley sent him a script and uh, Marlon Brando supposedly burned it and sent him back to ashes. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, this is like 96 Brando, like right before he died. He was like senile. When your bedrock, like professional is Val Kilmer on a movie, <laughs> you yeah. know, like things are off. Things um, are unmoored. Yeah. But the effects in that movie, I've watched it before, were like pretty good for their time, but it's just, uh, yeah, I don't know. And I think it just kind of broke Richard Stanley a little bit. <laughs> um, so he has a directed movie in yeah 25 years or whatever it is but yeah Color Out of Space check it out uh, it's available to rent on Amazon we do stuff for five bucks sweet uh, and then I watched a uh, another horror movie last night I went to the theater and checked out The Invisible Man uh, it is fucking excellent <clears throat> it was an easy five star horror movie uh, that's kind of a monster movie. I mean, it is a monster movie. Right. But uh, they do a good job of blending like jump scares and big bad scenes with psychological horror. I thought Elizabeth Moss was fantastic. Uh, the movie doesn't drag at all. I felt like it was about 90 minutes long, but it was just over two hours huh. uh, when we left. Hmm. Um, just really cool effects the science in the movie is not annoying okay um they don't play too many games with the audiences which i liked i feel like that's getting a little burnt out now like not knowing if the main character is crazy or if this is real like that kind of thing is happening more and more in films Mm -hmm. they don't do like an unsane no and i thought that's what i was going in that's what i was expecting going in the movie yeah but they tell you in the first 15 minutes that like there is a there is a man who's invisible yeah I mean I guess you could think he's a ghost but that would be weird because the title of the movie is fucking the invisible man and not the ghost right it's not a ghost story yes um the supporting cast was really great uh it's another movie that I respect more and more these days there are like five characters (laughs) in the movie which is kind of nice keeping your story small yeah there are more, they have like speaking roles, but nobody mm-hmm. you would, nobody on screen for more than like 10 seconds. That's not the main five characters. My Wi Fi is being super slow today. Mm-hmm. Huh. Weird. Yeah. Sorry about that. I'm trying to look up people's names and it's not working. This guy, like Oliver. Who's the guy from The Haunting on Hill House? I don't know. I gotta check my Wi Fi. Like, like Oliver Jackson. It's like a three. Oliver Jackson thing. Cohen. There you go. Yeah. He's not in it a bunch. <laughs> Which is interesting. But did he do the mocap? I want to see. 
Was it Terry? It's not particularly visible in the movie. Uh, yeah, no, not not particularly. Uh, Aldous Hodge plays uh, uh, kind of her savior. Um, him and his daughter, Aldous Hodge, uh, was MC Ren, straight out of Compton. He was in Hidden Figures. Uh, I think he was in Leverage. That was his like big breakthrough. That TV show, TNT. Mm. Um, he's really good, and his daughter is Storm Reed, who was the lead in Wrinkle in Time. Okay, um, and she was good. <clears throat> And uh, Harriet Dyer plays her sister. And that's pretty much all the characters that you would need to name. Um, but really, really fun story. Really good. Quick paced. The action is great. There's a probably a four minute tracking shot. Uh, the first time you really see like the Invisible Man interacting with the visible world. And mm-hmm. it was... Uh, I, I mean, I call it the scene of the year. I've seen three movies that have been released this year. But it'll be in my, in the running at the end. I'm sure it was fucking incredible. Yeah. Hmm. Captivated theater. Everybody loved it. Cool. It like. How does it compare to uh, one of the greatest movies of all time, Hollow Man? <laughs> I was telling Cass, she was like, I don't even know what this movie's about. And I like laughed thinking she was joking. And I was like, oh, it's an adaptation of like the H.G. Wells book. Yeah. There are like 80 movies based on that work. Yeah. She was like, have you seen them all? And I was like, well, I saw the original. It's pretty good. I saw Hollow Man. It was awful. Then I saw uh, um, The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, which I guess technically is another version of The Invisible Man. It was also pretty bad. Um, yeah, it's way better than Hollow Man. I didn't hear you mention Kevin Bacon at all, so... Yeah, I didn't. <laughs> I can't see how that's possible. I mean, it's it's... Hollow Man does its thing, right? Which is like, what would you do if you were bad and invisible? And it's like, I would rape women and kill people and steal money and stuff. Uh, this guy has way more of a character, like, not arc, but he is out for one thing. Right. Okay. So, interesting. Cool. And there's still some questions that they play with you with, like some things that you may not or know that you that you want to talk about afterwards about, it. did that happen? Is this what happened? Is this the result of the film? But mm-hmm. It's really good. I, highly recommend it uh, as far as seeing it in the theater goes obviously that would be the best choice but if you have to wait it's not that bad that's it for me cool <clears throat> alright so who wants to go next I'll go okay um, I didn't watch any movies I saw some TV but not fictional TV <laughs> but the TV wasn't on <laughs> yeah. it's pretty boring. it was a real TV we got it so. I watched Black Mirror but just like the Black Mirror on my TV screen <laughs> I did see I saw, we got a trailer for the new Fast and Furious movie last night and mm-hmm. then this morning I saw some tweet it was like if you want to feel old this is what they were stealing <laughs> the first Fast and Furious movie and it was like TVs with the VCR built in <laughs> I was like yes <laughs> perfect um, so I took a break from like prepping for a kid's birthday and doing stuff around the house. So I mainly just like crammed some reality slop in my mind hole. Nice. I was going to talk think anybody else here watches reality slop. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's just reality TV. Uh, I'm going to all highlight maybe two, maybe three. Um, we had uh, saved on demand from a while ago making it. Did you guys ever catch that show? No. Um, so making it is a, like, reality crafting competition hosted by Amy Poehler and Nick Offerman. Um, that's kind of the, it's the big draw is seeing the two of them together and their, com- their camaraderie. They have yeah. a bunch of little skits they do together. They do, like, tons of, uh, you know, being a dad, I love puns. It just happens. <laughs> they have Genetically. Pun- they have pun-offs, like, pun competitions with each other. <laughs> like, pun duels. 
Like they they make a they had there's a holiday episode where they made a wreath. It's like you know, thirty seconds left. Y'all are almost on Wreathy Street. <laughs> Groaners. <laughs> but they're uh, you know it's Nick Offerman, Amy Poehler. They're pretty charming. It has like uh, you know woodworkers, electrical installation guys, like calligraphers, people who do food art, all competing. And it's pretty fun. <laughs> It's like, if you want, like, a warm, fuzzy show, it's, like, super warm, fuzzy, bordering on twee, but, um, I don't know, it's pretty entertaining, and it's a nice, uh, mind break. Yeah. Cool. Sometimes you need warm and fuzzy. Yeah. Yeah, so that was pretty good. Um, <laughs> I, we just started checking it out, but has anyone here started watching Netflix's Love is Blind? Yes, I watched all of it. <laughs> oh, my God. Cast has also watched all of it, so I've seen some just, like... On accident. <laughs> <laughs> we just watched the first two episodes, then it was like past midnight. It's like, what are we doing to ourselves? <laughs> There's multiple people that are fairly close to people on this podcast, which is weird. Yeah. yeah. That are on the show. Oh, uh, really? Yeah. We've got like friends of exes on the show that like I've talked to for hours. And uh, one of Cass's old students at UGA that she taught <laughs> is on the show, is like one of the people. Wow. It's weird. Yeah. You can see one of my ex girlfriends back of her head. And like the the penultimate episode, <clears throat> as she's one of the wedding guests. Um, wow! Yeah, it's a it's a wild show, nonetheless. It, it, it's like it's inexplicable to me a lot of things. Yeah, the first episode, like uh, Nick Lachey and his wife Vanessa come out to host it. Yeah. I was like, oh, they're the hosts, and it's like oh, we haven't seen them for three episodes. <laughs> 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 yeah. They have these. Like, they were just there. <laughs> So it's it's like, you know, can you fall in love without ever seeing somebody? It's like, we can't trust ourselves to make those decisions. And they have these pods where they, you know, communicate with each other, but they can't see each other. I figured, like, Nick Lachey just got stuck in a pod. <laughs> <laughs> he hasn't hosted in a while. Well, I think the next dating show, I'm going to copyright this, is like, you know, we can't trust ourselves to see people. The next thing is like, I can't trust myself to tell the truth. It's the sodium pentothal dating show. <laughs> Inject two strangers with truth serum and have them go on a date. <laughs> can't trust myself to communicate to fall in love. <laughs> Um, yes. love, is, love is odorless. That's the problem. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm like, oh, it's no smell. Love is no touch. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Love is stranger. What if you never meet or interact in any way? <laughs> you just get married and then you go separate ways. Yep. That's the draw I want to see. There's like there's, there's part of me that thinks like how you just start partying together. How stupid like you know people who are from cultures with arranged marriages they hear about the show and they're like yeah <laughs> and how is it a TV show yeah uh, I'm still wondering that um, and the last show I'll talk about uh, like I said didn't watch a lot uh, but it was the pre- the premiere of RuPaul's Drag Race season twelve fun yeah uh, does anyone here watch it. I catch old episodes when Kelly's kind of going through binge phases of it. It's a little much. I've tried to watch some of it. I like mm. I like RuPaul a lot, uh, and I think uh, she and he, whatever, are both super charismatic. But mm. the rest of the show is just a, a lot. 
mm-hmm. for me sometimes. It is a lot. It's another thing that's it's like overwhelmingly positive and uplifting and optimistic to watch, and you know just seeing what people put together are so it's so impressive. And yeah. The uh, they're they dance amazingly. Yes, <laughs> they're they're all very good. I, I saw an episode, and the thing that I had a really hard time with was I don't know what season Kelly was watching. But uh, they had the uh, lip sync for your life. So like two people were in the bottoms, and then they had to like prepare a song that they're going to lip sync to. And then like that was just a little too much for me. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, I know that that's part of like you know drag shows is they like get a popular song. They're like the celebrity they're they're dressed adjacent to, and they like do their hits. But it was just like. These people who had just dressed up like for a competition, like one of them is in like looks like a snake, and then it's like I'm gonna be doing uh, like share, and then she's like dancing around, and then her wig falls off and she keeps going, and they do that like action movie thing, where like shows her like jumping and dancing and the wig falls off, and then it shows it from another angle and then from another angle, like it's this catastrophe, <laughs> and I just I don't know I just just. Don't have it in me to watch all of that. Well, I recommend it. The, the premiere of this, this season has Nicki Minaj as the judge, and they do a Nicki Minaj song. Mm-hmm. I just, I can't imagine how nerve-wracking that would be. For Nicki Minaj? <laughs> yeah, performing that in front of her, and she is, Nicki Minaj is super intense. A lot of times the judges just say like, oh, I thought you were fantastic, and they'll have one one liner. Yeah. Nicki Minaj was like leading all of the criticisms and like said, your face is just terrible. <laughs> Uh, it's it's uh, really entertaining. My favorite so far is someone named Widow Von Du. <laughs> Introduces her, herself as Widow Von Du. <laughs> and she dances pretty good. Um, yeah, watch watch it if you want. It's it's really entertaining. And like I said, it's pretty positive. Watch it if you want. <laughs> I don't care. I guess that's like the uh, that could be the tagline to our podcast. Watch it if you want. <laughs> Oh, cool. Anything other than Rupal that you want to talk about? Uh, no, just those three things. <clears throat> well, cool. Hey, Breezy, why don't you give us what you've been watching? Okay, I'm going to try to fly through this stuff. Um, I watched a lot of movies this week. <laughs> a lot of movies. All right, so I'm going. combined star <laughs> range. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, let's start off with, I continued my Flophouse uh, quest. So, Yay! Uh, I watched the 2008 <laughs> Diane Lane thriller Untraceable. Uh, I don't know that This movie. is about a serial killer who sets up a website called killwithme.com and <laughs> the more people watching the faster it kills. It's basically a bad Black Mirror episode. Um, the only thing, it's a very standard thriller, it's just sort of by the numbers and kind of boring, but the uh, the one thing I thought was, was laughably bad is that she works for the FBI in their like cyber crime division. Right. So their job is just to monitor the internet and be, you know, experts of all the horrible things that might be popping up in the dark spaces of the internet. And so she tells her boss about this website and he's like, well, shut it down. And she's like, it did, but it keeps popping up because he's bouncing from server to server. And she explains, she explains all this and she talks about things like servers and bots and her boss is like, in English, please. I was like, you're the head of the cybercrime division. How do you not know what a server is? This is really jarring and disappointing. Yeah. This is 2008, not like 88. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
start off, I know what electricity is. <laughs> now go. Wait, how do the plugs work? <laughs> yeah, so anyway. What go. is oozb? <laughs> <laughs> I don't recommend that movie. Uh, and then I've watched a movie I recommend less. And it's called An American Carol. Do you... Is the lead person named Carol? <laughs> no. Damn it. This is uh, from David Zucker from... Zucker Abram Zucker David Zucker and is that a law firm? This is it's a it's a like supposed to be a Christmas Carol, but for the Fourth of July. Ooh, um, ooh! It is also a, Kevin Farley. Kevin Farley stars. That is the brother of Chris Farley. Yeah, um, known for his role in the fictional band Together. Together. He plays Michael Malone, a fat. Uh, Done. Documentarian Uh-oh. who wears glasses. <laughs> he plays a fat. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I didn't know. The Wikipedia is Um Wears a Michigan State hat. He is basically a very just not even veiled. Sounds Michael a lot Moore. like Errol Morris, <laughs> yeah. um, who has to be taught to love America because he's too liberal. Hmm. Uh, this was. This has basically all the hits from all the right-wing actors in Hollywood. So, John Voight plays George Washington. <laughs> Kelsey Grammer stars as General George Patton, one of the ghosts who takes him through. What uh, oh, are the ghosts? What, was there a third ghost? George Washington, General Patton, and... All of them are ghosts of the past. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to... Yeah. <laughs> uh, the movie is, like, narrated or told by Leslie Nielsen as Leslie Nielsen. <laughs> they don't even come up with a character for him. Um, James, 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 James somebody has got to be one of the. I'm ghosts. scared for the character of Aziz. Aziz is uh, <laughs> definitely. So the plot is that these uh, uh, and Muhammad, the terrorists, decide that uh, Michael Moore or Michael Malone is. Uh, they need better terrorist videos, and they want someone talented to direct them. So they're just like, "This guy'll help us." He hates America. So the terrorists are named Aziz and Muhammad. Yeah. Alright. Um, but no, the the third angel is the angel of death, played by a country music performer and one time winner of Celebrity Apprentice, Trace Adkins. <laughs> also known for his hit single Honky Tonk Badonkadonk. Yeah, no, I'm glad they got two black people in the movie too. David Allegrier and Gary Coleman both appear as slaves. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um James Woods is in this movie, Dennis Hopper. It's not. You're just like a Richard Dreyfus away from, like, <laughs> that's all. Mickey Brown plays the character of Rosie O'Connell. <laughs> Rosie O'Connell. <laughs> yeah. All I'm not hearing is, like, uh, Ted Nugent. This is a... It is just... I get that they're targeting some people who... Some people on the left who even, like, anger the rest of the left. But this is made by the most talentless people on the right. And it's just... The comedy is embarrassingly bad. Sounds a little lazy. It's extremely lazy. (laughs) It's made in 2008. It was basically like, Hey, Hollywood, get over yourself and support this war. Pretty much. (laughs) The American conservative reviewed the movie. And they're like, yeah, it's funny in parts. uh, But it's far from lampooning the left. Uh, Carol insults conservatives by presuming that they are so simple as to be won over by fat jokes and flatulence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's almost like you wonder if it's even a parody of, like, it's like, who is this even parodying? And like, you almost wonder if it's parodying the right. Yeah, parodying, like, conservative filmmakers. <laughs> 
it's a horrible movie. It's an abomination. Did it, it break you? I mean, this movie just nearly ruined movies. <laughs> like the Philadelphia Inquirer uh, guy, Stephen Ree, uh, was like, Sicko by Moore was funnier than this parody. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, continuing, I watched another pretty bad movie. Speaking of conservative filmmakers, uh, Fireproof, the uh, religious uh, romantic. It's yeah, it's it's a it's a movie about like uh, a firefighter, hence the name, uh, played by Kirk Cameron, mm-hmm. uh, trying to save his marriage um, through fire, through <laughs> fireproofing it. No, uh, <clears throat> sets their house on fire. If he loves his wife enough, he'll save her. <laughs> um, yeah, through like, I don't, I don't know, they, they affect her spiritual awakening through that. Um, Is this another one where he was dead and he came back because of God? No. This is a fairly simple, it, it, as far as like religiously based movies go, the messaging here is pretty good, which is just like, find something, whether it's Christianity or whatever, that just uh, can, can help you focus on like, I don't know, some sort of impetus to help like be a better person, whatever it is, whatever you whatever inspiration you can find to, uh, care more about your wife than yourself or care more about your husband than yourself and vice versa. And, uh, as far as that goes, it's not that bad. I was, it's, it's not that bad of a movie. I remember when it came out, it got a lot of bad reviews, but the problem is that it's made by the most amateurish group of actors and filmmakers it's just it's really bad on that level in fact kirk cameron stands out by far as the one prof- like professionally trained actor oh no yeah <laughs> he is not not good but right. not awful yeah in the movie um but it's uh i watched it for this for this doc or for this uh podcast series what you got tj so the main character his wife uh chelsea noble <laughs> is uncredited as the body double for that character. Yes. Uh, who is Kirk Cameron's wife because he refuses to kiss anyone other than his wife. <laughs> yes. He had to get a body double to come in to, in the final scene when he kisses his So wife. there's your most professional actor from the film. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> he refuses to pretend. <laughs> the, the woman who plays his wife is really bad because I, I was trying to figure out how she wound up in that part and it's uh, she's the daughter of the preacher who runs this production studio that made the movie. <laughs> ah, perfect. So, yeah. so maybe instead of being unprofessional, Kirk Cameron was like, I just can't work with her. Let's say I can't kiss her. <laughs> uh, also watch The Spirit. Uh, have you ever seen The Spirit? Directed by Frank Miller. Frank Miller from The Minds Who Brought You Sin City. No, I've never seen The Spirit. Don't! Yeah, I've read the plot. The plot, the Wikipedia plot looked bad enough. I had to read the Wikipedia. <laughs> I don't know what the hell happened in this movie. This is just when I mean from the from the first shot to the last shot, it is one hundred percent style, comic book style, and not no substance. It is. Just, I mean, that's kind of how I felt about the other movies. Yeah, yeah. Um, they at least had some cool characters that I was like, "That's cool," but. Other than that, like I couldn't. I've seen that movie three times, and I couldn't tell you. And what this happened. had a few cool moments, like uh, Samuel L. Jackson plays the. This is the first. Uh, I think this is the first comic book movie starring Samuel L. Jackson and Scarlett Johansson. Uh, this is. Uh, he plays the octopus, which is this. 
they never explain why he's called the octopus, or if they did, they did it in such a vague way I couldn't understand it. Eight and dicks. and uh, <laughs> he changes costumes every uh, over and over again. He wears it. He gets to wear a samurai robe. He gets to wear a Nazi uniform at one point. Um, so Samuel Jackson seems to be having fun with the costume department, and that's is it eight costume changes. I don't think so. I think it was like four. <laughs> so it's very... man. The cast is good, except for the lead. Yeah, it's the guy from. Uh, uh, Harvey on the USA show. Mm. What's that called? Steve Harvey? No, the uh, <laughs> suits. Characters suits. welcome. He's the star of Suits. Oh, okay. Um, so I thought that was, was Mark Paul Gosler. John Suits. He plays the suit the guy wears. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm only vaguely sure of what happened in this movie, and it's, it's so incoherent that uh, I can't possibly recommend it. Even if you liked, like, 300 and... Uh, Sin City and sort of those very stylish mid two thousands movies, but yeah, I remember reading the Wikipedia plot and getting confused just because it's like the opposite of what I was talking about with the Invisible Man. There are just so many characters, um, all the women, and I like all those actresses. Like I'm a big fan of Paz Vega, Scarlett Johansson, Sarah Paulson, but yeah. Also, the tone of this movie doesn't quite know what it's trying to be. At times, it's like a serious sort of Sin City esque, like like actiony, gritty movie, and then other times it's a slapstick comedy where the spirit will like trip over something and fall, <laughs> and we're just like, ah ha ha! It's supposed to, you know, like get really a lot of guffaws out of that, and it just doesn't work. Uh, stuck I in. If, I wonder if Frank Miller's directed anything since. I, think he directed this was either before or after the second sin city movie that he directed dame to kill for yeah the one that like nobody saw so uh sticking with 2008 i watched seven pounds i've seen it uh no i've seen eight pounds (laughs) the sequel (laughs) yeah no i've seen seven pounds have you seen seven pounds no with will smith no uh do you like that movie uh I liked it. It was alright. You liked it? Yeah. yeah. I thought it was... It was really hated. Was this a Flophouse pick? Yeah. Weird. It's no, oh, it, was like a, it was huge... the most reviled movie of 2008, I would it say. It doesn't really fit yeah, in that just, box. I feel like it aged better than uh, most of these other movies that we're talking about. I don't know. It is surprisingly watchable for a movie that seems to wallow in its sort of depression. Like, yeah. it is a, a very depressing It's a miserablest movie. movie. Yeah. yeah. Extremely sad. Um... But, uh, I don't know, I thought, this was like, I, I felt like Will Smith, this was right after Pursuit of Happiness by the same director, yeah. Pursuit of Happiness, and I felt like this was right in that, that peak Will Smith, just like, please give this guy an Oscar so like, he can just go back to making happy movies again. <laughs> like, he really wants an Oscar. Um, but I actually thought Rosario Dawson was better than he was in the movie. I yeah, she, she was, was good. She was pretty decent, but... Uh, you gotta be in a space to watch this movie, I think. I didn't remember hating anything about it except for just how bad I felt. Which, I mean, the movie was definitely trying to do that, so. Yeah, it's, it is, it is misery distilled into two hours. Um, it's a movie that wallows, but it's, it's pretty professional. Yeah. It's well done, actors are yeah. pretty good. Yeah, it's competently made. It's, I don't hate the story. The story's, is it based on anything? Do you know? Uh, Will Smith's life. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> The life and death of Wall Smoth. Um, Wall Smoth. So, Wall Small. Um, I don't know. I think it's a little... I don't know. I I don't have a problem with it going for it, but I don't think it 
necessarily had a huge impact on me the way it sort of hides what he's really doing until the very kind of end of the movie. The only movie ever to make Cass cry. Oh, wow. <laughs> well, I decided I couldn't take much more Flophouse after seven pounds, so <laughs> I started watching uh, a movie series, and I watched Friday the 13th. Oh, nice. The original Friday the 13th. Um, the original one's good. It was okay. I mean, it's for campy horror. Yeah. It knocks it out of the park. It was, the, the, the climax was fun, silly, a great score. That movie is a really good score. It has um, Kevin Bacon. It has Kevin, also really cool, nice. like, like slicing and blood spurt, like, effects. Mm-hmm. For the, they had a pretty good effects department. They did good. Is that the one with the, like, kitchen scene? With the, the guy, like, on the ladder? Or that might be another Friday the 13th movie. They made a few. They did make a few. Um, you probably don't need to make separate entries for all of these. <laughs> Friday the 13th series. I'll just write Friday down. the 13th Part 2 was, I thought, just as good. Maybe a little bit better. Yeah. It's, it's, it's got a good lead. Friday the 13th Part 3 I watched. This movie is horrible. This movie was, uh, like, it, it came out in 3D. So there are all these scenes oh, no. of, like, things going toward the camera. Like late '80s 3D too. It's yeah. really obvious. At one point, there's a guy in a store, and uh, he somebody is trying to buy something, and he's just he has to be in a different part just so they can have this effect. He throws his wallet towards the camera, <laughs> and it's it's like fucking give me a break. There's another part where a girl's trying to to sunbathe, uh, but under a like near a bridge. <laughs> Again, she troll. Again, nothing makes it only makes sense so they can. And it doesn't make sense, but it's only there so they can set up this a guy with a yo-yo over her, and so from her perspective, what? you're seeing the yo-yo come down into the camera frame. It's for it's the most like yeah, it, it's 3D effects that make no sense to be in the story. If you thought, if you thought Jaws 3D was classy, <laughs> we have a movie for you. Yeah. Um, it's just funny. Like, there's a horror movie. There's stuff jumping out all the time. <laughs> Why do you have to add a wallet and a yo-yo? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like, fuck. Yeah. Um, really bad. Uh, then I watched the final chapter, the fourth one. Yeah. And it's a it's a rebound. It's it's back. It's it's pretty good. It's the, this is the one with uh, um, Jason. <laughs> Jason's uh, the kid, uh, Corey Feldman, is in this. Okay. And that's the last one, right? Final chapter. The final chapter. You would think, but then, get this, they made a new beginning. Oh. It's really bad. Then they made Jason Lives. Mm. Did it's, you get the Jason X? I did not. Damn oh, it, man. I watched the New Blood, and then the next one was going to be Jason Takes Manhattan, and I was like, I fucking can't. No <laughs> that's actually, this is just like him out of the town. Shopping on Fifth Avenue. Just watching Muppets movies. Yeah. It's like, I just feel like the joke in that's going to be like, this is how fucked up New York is. They don't even, they don't even like notice this Jason guy. And I just can't bring myself to Yeah. Jason, Jason X, or is that Jason X the one in space? Yes. Or is that, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think it is. It's the yeah. best one. That's by far the best one. <laughs> the Freddy vs. Jason was pretty fun, actually. But, mm-hmm. Well, I would need to watch all the Nightmare right. movies before I watch. Yeah, you need to get full. Lost. Yeah, <laughs> you have no idea what's happening. I'm sure it's a real deep story. It's a real what Infinity are... War of. Yeah. <laughs> culmination of both those stories. It's, it's the end game. <laughs> what, what other brain crimes did you commit on yourself? Uh, that's kind of it. I watched. Uh, <laughs> I, I did watch two more movies, and they were both rewatches. I watched Iron Man three, which had been a while since I'd seen that. It's not bad. I like that one a it's, lot. It's better than Iron Man two. <laughs> I actually don't know. I think I might like them about equally. I, I can't decide which one. I'll, I, 
Iron Man 3, I just really don't care about the main villain in at all. And it's... I didn't in Iron Man 2 either, yeah. Yeah, and then the... the, the Marvel s- had a weird run of, like, kind of bad villains. Yeah. Uh, Although, at least in Iron Man 2, it's Sam Rockwell. So you get that going for you. And yeah, but he's not York. the villain until the last, like, 20 minutes. <laughs> this yeah. has the same thing, where it's, like, this has the uh, the Mandarin, and then... I almost it, said Mandalorian. <laughs> Mandalorian. People were pissed about the Mandarin portrayal when that movie came out. Yeah, I think it kind of worked. Although, I, the one thing I would I, I wish they had done differently is I wish they had... It would have been fun to play those two sides of the Mandarin in the movie against, like, like make it be uncertain. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You, you think about the way... You remember in Sherlock the way... Uh, Moriarty. Moriarty claimed to be just be an actor. Oh, uh, right. Like, that would have... I think yeah. having that uncertainty around it would have been, I think, more fun. Uh, instead, it's just... It's all set up for just one punchline. One joke. I liked the removal of Iron Man from, like, civilization, though. I liked all the shit with the kid. and Small the, Town and the kid. The, the kid's the best part of the movie. The, like, him and the kid yeah. together. It's great. Well, just Iron Man being removed from all that. It reminded me of, there's a graphic novel that's really good about Spider-Man. I think it's after, like, Mary Jane dies in the comics. They, he moves to the desert where, like, removes himself from being able to use his powers, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Um, it reminded me of that a little bit. Yeah, it's... I just when I when I try to remember that movie, I thought I, I thought that there was much more of the stuff in like Tennessee with the kid, but there's just there's not it's about very thirty much. minutes yeah, there. It's a, yeah. if, if that, it's about twenty thirty minutes, and it's after that the movie's kind of forgettable. Like the the stuff with all the the, sol- the super soldiers and the special serum that makes them regenerate and whatnot. I was the like, final fight was cool with like all the Iron Men. Yeah, fun. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I get it, yeah. Iron Man, Iron Man's. <laughs> um, the Ferris individuals. The, the, iron, the Irons Man. <laughs> the attorneys. The attorneys Iron Man's. I, I think the, the problem they get into is that, like, once you've made the Avengers, the the further, the more you try to tell Tony Stark stories without that tension of, like, Captain America and the oh. others, that he's just it's just not that interesting when, when Tony's just always right. And... Mm. Yeah, I mean, that is a weird thing with the MCU in general, is that every movie after the Avengers, you're just like, where is literally anybody else? Right. One of them can't make it over to help. It makes sense with, like, the Thor Ragnarok plot that it's like, oh, here's Hulk, he got stranded, and here's Thor, he's a god, he does weird god shit. Or Winter Soldier, where literally the only thing he knows is he can't trust anybody. Right. Yeah. But so, like, but those are like the two best movies post the Avengers. Yeah, but like <laughs> that aren't Avengers movies. But like Homecoming, Spider Man Homecoming. Yeah, it's got Tony Stark in it. But like, why is it, why is it just Tony Stark and why is he treating him like a nuisance? Like, there's yeah, or the Spider Man sequel, which I don't think anybody's seen yet. No, but uh, same thing. I mean, there's just no big like cameos in it. It's like, why is it? Have you seen it? <laughs> Far from home. Yeah, yeah. The, 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 is that the Spider Man sequel? Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Um, it, it sounded like you're saying like it, it couldn't come out like or it hasn't come out come out yet. Yeah, I was Nobody's actually just, I was worried that there's another, another one. Movie I think it's about a newer one. No, 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 no. Yeah. I mainly just know Chris hasn't seen it, yeah. which is normally yeah. he's the first to see this. These are the two Marvel movies that I haven't seen: is Far From Home and Iron Man Three. <clears throat> oh. Anytime anyone talks about Iron Man Three, it does not never sounds like oh I should go out and watch that then. It's usually close to the bottom of the list, but when I I saw it like a year removed. Like I do, <laughs> when it came out, and I actually really enjoyed it. Um, it's it's Shane Black script and directing, like mm-hmm. Kiss Kiss Bang Bang reunion for those guys, and 
the parts that feel like a hangout and feel like quippy stuff, you know, I had a blast with in that movie. Um, a lot of those movies after Avengers took themselves seriously, and it yeah. was kind of a nice reprieve. So I, I like it, I think, a lot more than other people do, but I haven't watched it in a while. Yeah, nice. Yeah, the uh, for me, it's it's after the Avengers, like all my all the best Tony Stark stories are Avenger related for me, like. Avengers, the the other Avengers movies plus the Civil War movie, I mm-hmm. think are the my favorite mm-hmm. Tony Stark movies. Um, but and then I just uh, one last movie. I continued with my uh, I rebounded on the misery porn with uh, Precious. Never saw Precious. Based, um, based on, the on the novel, novel Push. push, push okay. Yeah, make sure we're talking about the same thing. There's two. Push no, two pushes. Two <laughs> There's a separate. Push, There's two movies push based on the novel Push by Sapphire. <laughs> yeah, the, the main thing I remember from that is that the Golden Globes when George Clooney was announcing the like screenplay nominees or something, and he said like Precious based on the novel Push by Sapphire, and the next one was whatever movie it was. It was like and the second nominee is Pursuit of Happiness based on the novel Push by Sapphire. And I was like. Ugh! I don't know if that joke's going to cover well. <laughs> have every movie based on the novel pushed by Sapphire. Um, did, did you like that movie? I never saw it. Oh, you never saw it? You ever see it? I, I saw it. Do you like it? It's okay. It is sort of just okay. It's, it is routine, like, person with a, you know, a mountain of shit on their life, basically. Yeah. Um, who... Makes it out and hooray, and it makes it out with the help of you know, like a an inspirational teacher. Yeah, is that Monique and Mariah Carey were both like kind yeah. of critically acclaimed? Yeah, mm-hmm. and movie. they're both good at it. They're both yeah. really good. In fact, the the acting is the one thing that elevates the right. movie. It is a really really well acted. Oh, uh, the main star, Gary Sidibe. Yeah, yeah Sidibe. She uh, she's fantastic. Uh, Monique is incredible in the movie. Um, it seems it did feel like another one of those years where. Yes, she was great in it and deserved all the acclaim that she got for it. But mm-hmm. I feel like some of the praise was because people were like, we didn't know she had it in her. There's always sort of that. Like when you get, you get you know, comedians who act dramatically for Jennifer the first Lopez time. Lopez and Hustlers. Or, or something like yeah. that where it's just, you wonder how, how much of it is that. Although on a rewatch, I think it, I think it is... A really great performance, regardless of her background. Although yeah. I'm sure that certainly helped. Um, but yeah, it's just I don't know. It was a week for me, emotionally manipulative uh, melodrama. Yeah, you watch like <laughs> and then the, you, you watch like 15 hours of Friday the Thirteenth. <laughs> oh, that's great though. Friday the Thirteenth is not a horror series, even. Yeah. I would not. It is just. It's really a comedy series more than anything. Guys, sidebar. I'm worried about Brent. <laughs> um, <laughs> I actually Worried found about Oracle. There's so little to the plot of Friday the 13th movies that I can listen to podcasts while I watch the sh- movie and understand everything that's happening. Because <laughs> it's just it's just running around. I'm sure that's how the filmmakers intended it. Yeah. Christopher Nolan style. <laughs> it will be a second screen experience. <laughs> so that's it for me. Cool. Well, I'm going to go. I've just got two things I want to hit real quick. Um, first one is a show that's really new to Netflix. Um, it's I'm Not Okay With This, uh, starring Sophia Lillis from the It movies and Wyatt Olaf from the It movies. Yeah. And, it, looks, it looks good. And that's it was basically in my it. 2020 TV preview. It was. Yeah. Um, Pennywise the Cloud from the It movies. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's it's seven episodes and it's 
They are 19 to 25 minutes long. So you will get through it before you even know you, like, before you even, like, register. Uh, but it's really cool. It's it's based on a graphic novel that was, that who, based on a graphic novel by the guy who also wrote another Netflix darling show, End of the Fucking World. Yeah, nice. Um, I haven't seen that, but, you know, Netflix apparently likes this shit enough to just kind of throw money at him. Um, but... It's a really cool show. Uh, it's about a young girl growing up, kind of co- like finding herself and her sexuality and her um, kind of coming to terms with uh, uh, the suicide of her father and, you know, how guarded she is about that and like living in this uh, pretty like milk toast town where like, you know, the exciting thing that happens <laughs> in a week is there's, uh, you know, the home game on Fridays, and that's like the to do, right? Um, and then she's got psychic powers, um, and it's not really about her psychic powers. It's more about her, like how that makes it harder for her growing up as a young woman. Hmm. Yeah, I'm definitely interested in it. We all thought she was going to be like a superstar after yeah. the first hit. I know we all liked her a lot. Yeah, she's it looks, it looks good. Yeah, she's really great in it. It's a, uh, it's. I like the way the story is framed. It like starts out with her like sitting in her counselor's office and her counselor being like, "Hey, you need something to deal with the grief and these like uncontrollable like bouts of rage you're having." Like here, write in this diary, and then the rest of it's framed as her writing to her diary. Mm-hmm. And it's it's kind of fun how it plays with that because she's also like kind of rude to her diary and then she's like I don't know what and it's all in voiceover she's like, I don't even know why I'm being rude to this this is literally a sheet of paper <laughs> nice uh, um, but it's really good she's really good and uh, the Wyatt Olaf kid who plays uh, I think Stanley in, he does in It um, they're both they're both great he, he plays kind of like an outcast weirdo his dad's a trucker so he's never home and so he just like wears like a powder blue tuxedo to school um, but I think one of the my favorite things about it is I believe that it's set in the early 90s, although there is a character who makes reference to vaping, um, but I think that's just an intentional anachronism. Um, but the soundtrack is a lot of fun. Sweet. It's a lot of, like, kind of, like, moody alt music from, like, the early 90s, like Smiths and Cure and Echo and the Bunnymen and shit. Um, <laughs> and so that's... It's just neat. Fun. I'm but, excited. And I'm always... I'm Almost now, 100% in on half-hour dramas. Oh. That's like the perfect length. Yeah. Like, the third episode is 19 minutes long, and it's just like... It's it's the thing I looked forward to the most about streaming platforms running TV is bucking the trend of having to run a 60 or 44-minute yeah. mm. or 30 or 22-minute episode where they can be like, we've got a story that we want to tell in a short burst. It's 19 minutes long, and fucking here it is. And then they just do it. Like, that's that's what I... I like that there's freedom in that, uh, in kind of the medium... Yeah, the story dictates the length, and said the length dictating the story. Yeah, um, and since this is a pretty uh, unfor- pretty forgettable title, it's I am not okay with this. It's um, the first thing that's popping up on Netflix right now. Yeah, um, that was really good. And the other thing that I got into recently, uh, thanks to uh, Breezy's wife, bring on the Jonathan. <laughs> is uh, <laughs> I started, <laughs> I started and finished watching the thirty-four. Hour-long episode run of Love Island UK. So, so I can't believe we finished it. Like it just—I just thought it was never going to end. I thought yeah. it was a trick. We were. So there was. Stuff. It turns out you were on the island. You look around you. 
We were actually on the it's island, like, the Ewan McGregor Island. <laughs> they were making clones of us. I just thought maybe we were a Dharma Initiative experiment <laughs> at some point. No, it's a. Uh, I mean, it's goofy. I mean, not to make light of a serious thing that happened recently, but I kind of it kind of got on my radar because of the suicide of Caroline Flack, who's the host and presenter of the show. She uh, recently killed herself February thirteenth. And it was one of those things where I saw a lot of articles about like Love Island should take a season off or they should cancel Love Island because of like all the bullying that's happening and like all the shit. And they're talking about how uh, of the five um, reality TV suicides in the UK, three of them are were on Love Island at some point. And so they're like kind of pointing at this, and I was like, whoa, 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 whoa! What is this fucking show that now the general population of England is like? This show is making its stars kill themselves. It needs to be canceled. Well, I didn't. I really didn't know all of that. I just knew. I knew about Caroline, but also knew that like it was. She's had a very some some a checkered personal life over right. the last few years with arrests and domestic violence and whatnot. But um, that I uh, did not know. I know she was like no longer the presenter on yeah. the current se- on the last season. Um, but uh, how'd you like the first season? Uh, it is a very interesting show. Yeah. It's, a, it's the, uh, it's not something we have a stereotype, stereotype for, but I guess it would be like bros here, but it's a bunch of lads and like lad culture. Like, you know, the website lad Bible, that's what that comes from, uh, is so it's them. And then a bunch of, uh, women who... Are, are either glamour models or would like to be. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's... It does make you... it You do give them more credit than you initially would seeing and hearing the concept because they are... Most of them are not there just to, like, meet hot people and fuck. They're there to, like, actually, like, like oh, like, I really like this person. Or, like, there's someone who came in in the first season... And I was like, I don't like any of the women here. And, like, never really articulated why. And then people come kind of in and out of the villa. And then they had the ability to choose someone to come in the villa. And this guy was like, oh, that's the girl I'm not over. I want her in the villa. And everyone was like, sure, man. And then she came in. And they, like, like you know, blah, 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 blah happens. They don't win. But uh, he has a kid with her now. And it's like, so some of it is actually, like, real. Oh, Lewis? Yeah. Yeah. One, one of the characters, like proposes to his on-screen girlfriend like real life proposes to get married to her and yeah. it's like the strangest pairing but they're the people who are like they're like the the father and mother of all these other people and couples like everyone is going to them for like advice for like counsel for everything um but it's it's an interesting show it's a really stupid show yeah like they make them do like what you would think your like worst nightmare would be if you went on like a honeymoon and they were like, oh, buy the honeymoon package. You're like, okay. And then they're like, and we've got games for you that you have to go do. Where it's like, you have to do all these like bullshit cooperative games. Like, you need to get drinks from this cocktail to this empty glass. And once it hits a certain line, you win. But you can't use your hands. And so it's like them drinking a drink and then spitting it into each other's mouths and then spitting it into this bowl. And it's just like sick and stupid at times. Yeah, I mean, also they have some real dum dums on there. Like oh, they, yeah. uh, they have a trivia contest <laughs> um, where the question, the question is like, who's the first person to walk on the moon? And uh, Lewis guesses Lance Armstrong. <laughs> uh, but yes. my favorite one was when uh, 
they they ask uh, the gunpowder plot was uh, a plot to blow up what? And uh, this one guy, Joshua, he says, I kind of don't want to say I'm embarrassed as, of my guess. And they're like, just guess. And he goes, England? <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, you should have been embarrassed. <laughs> fucking broke me. <laughs> I, I laughed so hard. And then someone else who was there was like, was like, you idiot, it's Parliament. It happened in America. <laughs> like, like what? She's like the Houses of Parliament in America. It's like, it's like the, we have those here in England. They don't have that in America. <laughs> My favorite from the trivia was there's this like really dumb, dumb guy who's like 20. And he's like attractive and like kind of traditional like dreamboat type, and he's like fucking worthless. And he's the guy who like runs around naked and jumps in people's beds and is just like would point at his dick and be like, eh, uh, like. Want some? Uh, but they were, they asked him, uh, well, they asked, ended up, the last question they asked him, they asked him like this math question and he did it really fast. And it was like, wait, 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 there might be something behind that like <laughs> idiot face of yours. Um, but fuck, what else did they ask him? I remember they asked him a question and it was, I don't know, but it's really funny. Yeah. It's a dumb show, and I recommend watching it if you've got uh, two days. <laughs> two, I mean, it's with Hulu ads. It's like like thirty four full hours <laughs> of television. Yeah, I mean, it's taken us a month probably to watch it. Yeah, we did it in a week because when I texted Brent and his wife, I was like. We watched the first episode, and Kelly told me she literally doesn't want to watch anything else. <laughs> the, <laughs> the accents for some of these are so, especially for Hannah. Yeah, it is so thick that sometimes I'll be like, I'll have my computer on while Ashley's watching the show, and I'll just, uh, I'll be, I'll be looking at the computer screen, and I'll start giggling because I hear Hannah talking, and I have no idea what she's saying. Yeah, I cannot even come close to guessing what she's possibly saying. Yeah, without the. Captions up. There are times when people on the show are like, was that even English? Yeah. <laughs> uh, she's a Playboy model. Um, and then the guy she's paired up with from the beginning all the way to the end is uh, Jonathan. And, oh, thank God for Jonathan. He's the most entertaining person on the yeah. show. Yeah. He has a very matter-of-fact way of, of dealing with problems. Like, if someone's like, oh, I can't believe like so-and-so starting this rumor about me. He's like, all right, come here. We're going to get them. Come here. This person's saying a rumor about you. I just want everyone to know it. I want to air it out, and I'm leaving. Bye. The producers fucking love him. They, they do. <laughs> to the point where anytime there's anything like, you know, a, an emotional beat that might have gone by the wayside, like, and Jonathan would come in to, like, talk to somebody, the uh, the narrator, who's actually really funny, it's just Ian Sterling, he's a comedian, uh, would say, bring on the Jonathan. And then that was your cue to know that Jonathan's going to like get in and like try and solve this problem or like make it fucking worse. Nice. In the final episode, there's a, I mean, there's a uh, argument between two guys over... <laughs> Jonathan calls Josh. He says, you're not mature enough to get married and have a child. And he's like, are you calling me immature? And he's like, no, I'm not calling you immature. I'm just saying you're not mature. He's like, it sounds like you're calling me immature. <laughs> he's like, no, I'm not. I'm just saying you're not mature. Is, they do that for like five minutes. Yeah, it was like fuck. This show is just garbage. Perfect and perfect. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, about episode twenty, I remember telling Kelly like, I'm so tired of these people. I want, I want the new season to start because I've spent too much time with these fucking people and their fucking insecurities and hangups. I'd be and, tired of y'all if I had to watch you like be for two days, but I couldn't interact at all. <laughs> I'd be tired of anybody. <laughs> 
and then and then we like dipped our toe into the next season. I think we're gonna also pump the brakes on watching it. Uh, but I watched like the first like the, the all like the cast introduction of the second season, and my immediate thought was like, well, they're not as good as that first cast. <laughs> you've, been, you've been at my house for like two and a half hours. Kelly's already watched two episodes. <laughs> yeah. So she's one percent of the way through yeah. another season. <laughs> Uh, we mostly use that show as just a, a we we say things we say what they say back to the TV we just parrot them <laughs> yeah and then we also pause it every ten minutes to look up a new slang term that nice. they use yeah so anyway <laughs> anyway that is literally all I've been watching <laughs> reality roundup time beyond that yes yeah uh, beyond that survivor yeah I don't know why we call it reality roundup it's just like survivor minute. Because it started out as David and I also right. talking about the challenge. The challenge yeah. Back yeah. when we were also trying to get you guys to watch the challenge, and you guys were like, nah. I tried. <laughs> I watched the season. It didn't take. It didn't take. It didn't stick. Um, yeah. It was the worst episode so far of the season. Sure. I mean, out of the Well, things are starting four. to get settled, and yeah. so people... It, and also, I mean, there's just one tribe keeps winning. Yeah. Uh, so we all, we, about last week. all we get from them is just... Tony's antic of the week. Yeah. Worth it, though. Yep. Still um, great. The big three made the buff drop, I think. I, th- I assume we're going to buff drop now. Uh, um, Although we didn't get it how in many, the... How many players are we down to? 16? Yeah, four are gone. So, it's... Uh, Al was telling me he's... he's uh, uh, He may have picked this up from podcasts, but there's rumors that, uh, that the buff drop's going to be to create three teams of five. So maybe we're still One another more. another week away hmm. instead of because normally we see the buff drop on the next week on Survivor and we didn't yeah yeah week. so yeah maybe one more um, but I hope Rob and Parv's side fucking wins did you did you think that they tended to, do you think they made the right decision this week with Ethan. I mean, I think you have to you have to weaken that trio. It's got to be one of the three. It's easiest to get Ethan after all that stuff went down. I think Ethan might split up. You have a chance of splitting up Parv and Rob, which is good too. But with Ethan there, I think that he's kind of a glue that holds the two of them together. That that turns them talking about working together to actually having a group that makes sense to work and not infight. Well, I, I mean, to to one, I mean, on one hand, Ethan's also kind of easy because you just nobody wants to sit next to Ethan at the end anyway. Yeah. So you want to go ahead and get that out of the way because you're going to have to down the road. Um, but I also wonder it's if you break. I, I I guess I'm confused about Adam because if he wants to break up those three and work with the two remainders, I feel like it's a miscalculation to not aim for Rob. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it's a miscalculation Did he not? for anyone. His didn't. vote was for Parv, though, wasn't it? Yeah. Adams was. Mm-hmm. Okay. So he didn't want Ethan to go anyway. He wanted Parvati to go. Right. He want, he that makes more sense work. than Ethan. Well, because Adam knows he, he has an in with Ethan. Um, they, you know, cancer has played he, a big role in both their lives. And he wants to with Rob. And he, and he wants to with Rob. And he thinks that he can work with Rob. But Rob has never just lied down and taken... Uh, you know, one of his let you let anybody take one of his soldiers out. He was so good when he was talking to him, though, and Adam was talking to Rob. And I mean, Rob had me convinced when he was talking to Adam. Was like, like, All right, 100%. yeah, hundred percent. We'll fucking do it. Fuck, this yeah. sucks. Yeah. And then as soon as he was gone, he was just like, "Ah, that guy's fucking stupid." Of course, I'm not gonna do that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I did kind of like Adam's alliance. Basically, 
showing him that he's not on top, making him expose himself as someone who's going, who's working against Parvati and Rob, mm-hmm. and then also not like like bringing him in the loop. But then still, like, not voting him out. They basically, like, slapped his hand for being like, you think you're in charge. He might he might bail on that, though. I could see him now trying to get some, like, foursome together involving Robin Parvati and him. Yeah. But trying Robin to bring, Parvati, like, Denise, you I think, know. But think that she and she... Well, I guess Adam does have Denise with her. But Denise didn't vote. Didn't, like, he was the only Parv vote. Yeah, she right. voted for Ethan. Yeah. yeah. I like that the two power players of the Alliance, the two people who shaped the narrative of the episode... Neither one had the power of who went home. Yeah, yeah. Like it was, it was all Adam versus Rob, Adam versus Rob, and it was just uh, everybody else deciding. They, they kind of. I like Jeremy. What Jeremy's doing, which mm-hmm. is sit back, see how the tide is kind of setting for this episode, and then react to that. I'm feeling better and better about my preseason pick of Jeremy. With Jeremy, yeah. yeah. Um, but. Yeah, I don't know. Also, I'm not convinced that Rob didn't know that Ethan was going home and that he just felt like he didn't need to stir that pot anymore. Adam made his move a little too early, too. But especially, he should know Jeremy's strategy. Jeremy has a pretty clear-cut strategy that's been established before, which is keep meat shields around. Yeah. Because Jeremy will become the meat shield right. if he doesn't. And so, he needs... Jeremy ain't going to rock the boat until he gets to a swamp. Right. So he needs Parv there. He needs Rob there in case he winds up in a 3-2 minority with one of them. Right. And so Adam was not going to convince him of that. But he doesn't need... Ethan doesn't really help anybody out there. Right. Right. So Ethan does make sense for a lot of people. It just... I think Adam's... Adam, what Adam needs to do is be invisible for the next two episodes, I think. Which I don't think he will. I think that he's going to try and play as hard as he can, and that's going to hurt him. Either that, or he's going to go back to Denise in the first five minutes of this episode and say, oh my god, what what's going on? And she was like, you're just doing too much. You're running around. Yeah. You're telling the other side. You're yeah. trying to... This was basically a reaction to you going and telling Rob our alliance's strategy, and that is... like Without talking to us first. Yeah, yeah. that is the number one thing that yeah. we do not want you to fucking do. Right. Yeah. Everybody else has trust issues with you, so you need to you need to make sure this is solid first. Yeah, but good. I'm still excited for more episodes. So. Yep. Uh, yet another. I mean, the challenges too have been just. I'm just holding my breath on all the all all of them. The the the, the, the tree, tree puzzle, puzzle looks crazy. really difficult. Yeah, Rob did well in that. He rebounded well on his puzzle. Yeah, duties. But still came up short. Yep, because Denise. <laughs> Not because of Denise, right? But Denise is just the the most the biggest bad luck charm in Survivor history. Yeah, <laughs> she has still only escaped one tribal council ever. First episode of the season. Yeah. yeah. Well, cool. Yeah. Do we want to talk about some some news? I know that TJ, you saw some trailers. I don't know if you want to talk about those. Yeah, I mean, a Candyman trailer dropped. We got it on the big screen last night. It looks like it could be fun. Um, looks like they're going more to the history of like Cabrini Green, which I read a lot about this week. It's like the big housing project in Chicago where the original one took place. Um, so it looks pretty good. Uh, trailer for uh, Robert the Bruce, which is a sequel to Braveheart. Apparently, <laughs> strange. What everyone's been with that movie's for. been like in pre-production. David was saying in the pre-show little meeting for like twenty years. <laughs> it's been around for a long time. Um, I saw a trailer last night for a TV show that I'm super excited about. It's uh, called Making the Cut. It's an Amazon Prime original. 
And uh, I know uh, Katie, Chad, uh, a couple other people listen to the show were big fans of Project Runway, or are big fans of Project Runway. Yeah. Uh, It's the same premise, but they bring in Heidi Klum and Tim Gunn back um, for their own show. They're producing their own show where they find like 15 to 20 like established designers, and their goal now is to like blow them up, not just have them be like moderately successful. Mm. So it's like people that are already in the game. Cool. Yeah, um, and we, we yeah we're watching the Project Runway now, and you know you think a host doesn't do a lot, but the the absence of uh, Heidi and Tim, and having Carly Kloss and Christian Siriano. Christian's pretty good. He's he's pretty good. He's he's he, no Tim Gunn. No, you need the like paternalistic like coach there, not yeah. the you know kind of asshole. Yeah, kind of asshole. It's just a whole he, different dynamic. It's weird to bring it him back. It a little bit. Christian was like the the one season of Project Runway where there was just like from episode one did you watch Christian season? No, I didn't. I mean, the first episode you were just like, oh, this guy's better than the people who are judging them. Like, he was just phenomenal. And he did. He blew up as soon as he won Project Runway. Yeah. He's still making like red carpet dresses and shit. Um, So he's the new like Tim Gunn. But Tim Gunn's just so damn likable. Yeah. So I saw that last night when I pulled up Amazon Prime to find something to watch and I was super excited about Hmm. making the cut. Cool. And I know I sent you a trailer for um, a Netflix original show that's coming out, uh, executive produced by Damien Chazelle, uh, called The Eddie. Uh, oh, yeah. And it is, uh, looks like it's a show that's about, like, jazz. So mm-hmm. it is a music, is a show that is heavily, like, music influenced that is EP'd by Damien Chazelle. So I'll check it out. I watched a movie that David really enjoyed last year uh, to all the guys I've loved before. To all the boys. All the boys I've loved before. But its sequel is dropping too, like now on Netflix. It's out already, yeah. Out already? Yeah. What's the post colon? P.S. I Still Love You. Yeah. Yeah. But I watched the original and it is super fucking charming. Yeah. Yeah. Lana Condor is great. Yeah. If you like rom coms, it's just. It's like a Wes Anderson y rom com. But Mm. yeah. Anybody else got any breezies? I know that there's some game news going on because of the coronavirus. Lots of game companies are pulling out of conventions because they don't want to send their staff to a place with like international guests or they don't want to send their international staff to a place mm-hmm. with you right. know, people. So PAX East is going on right now and people are saying that it is a very like, muted huh. uh, conference. Um, I don't really have any news coming out of there, but I imagine that even at this point, like E3 is going to be smaller than expected. Mm-hmm. It was already going to be like tiny, right? It was already going to be smaller because you know Most people so- out. Sony's Sony not going again. Yeah. Um, I thought the video game news you heard were that me and Cass are doing a run through of the original Legend of Zelda, Zelda. <laughs> which is uh, so hard. Yeah, yeah, it is hard. We did that. We like get to a cave that's like eight like screens away, yeah. and it's like we fucking like won the game. <laughs> it's like fuck yeah. We just like straight up pulled up a walkthrough. Like yeah. we're not. Um, but well, well, yeah. there are like several monsters, like 90% of them where when they show up, I'm just like, run, 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 run. <laughs> <laughs> they will kill you. Well, that's also the game where like, there's no incentive to like kill anything. Like you really don't have to. The only time that you should really be killing hard, things. I mean, when you're like trying to get rupees in the beginning. But. Right. But the only other time you should really kill anything is like when you're in a room in a dungeon where you have to kill things to open the door. Yeah. Yeah. And most of the other stuff though, like once you kill things and get like 20 rupees they're just enough secret doors that give you like 80 yeah it stops mattering yeah but no that was not the game news but yeah. th- thanks for telling us yeah. <laughs> you'll start reading about it on on google <laughs> <laughs> all right so then we're now at the segment where 
TJ tells us what's coming out. Got a couple of choices. They actually pushed back the uh, um, expansion of Emma, which is weird. I haven't seen a production company do that. So it actually expands this week, but we talked about it last week. Yeah. So we'll pick from the other two. Uh, but it's one of the easiest picks we've ever had. One is uh, one film is The Way Back, the new Ben Affleck movie, uh, where he coaches a basketball, basketball team, team and uh, it's a drama. He's <laughs> starring, not directing, I'm guessing. Yes. Time traveling? <laughs> the bad thing Ben Affleck the, does. The thing Ben Affleck should not do. <laughs> uh, although, just a real quick, since we're talking about Ben Affleck, uh, Breezy, I wanted to mention was the uh, him and Matt Damon written movie with Adam Driver is coming out soon. Hmm. Uh, 2021. We should get a trailer soon, though. Cool. But. Oh, and also to bleed, uh, there is a a leak from a, a new Batman project that's out. Uh, it, it was a just a single image from shooting from Robert Pattinson's stunt double in the Batman. The Batman. Yeah, yeah. In, in in the cowl. I don't know if that's interesting to anyone, but I just saw it and regurgitated yeah, it. Yeah, it's now. the Matt Reeves, the Batman. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, but you get the way back, and the other one that's coming out this weekend is Pixar's Onward, which is the fantasy D and D esque uh, film. Yeah, if you want to see brotherly Chris, love, Chris, Chris Pratt, Pratt and Tom, Tom Holland, Holland together, here's a chance to finally do it. <laughs> so I'll pick Onward because, of course, I heard the short before Onward is actually a Simpsons short. Oh, weird. Yeah, flexing, Disney flexing its muscle that, yeah, we got Look at all this IP that we Flexing its collections. Yeah. yeah, it's like Maggie's Adventure or something. All right. I'm sure it'll be fun. Yeah. The next one will just be a National Geographic short. <laughs> um, uh, onward. Pick an Onward. Uh, when your choices are Onward or The Way Back, I'll pick <laughs> Onward. <laughs> yeah. For, for title alone. Onward just seems so dreams worky to me. I'm sure there's like a Pixar magic that'll that'll be in it. Maybe yeah. something the tra- the trailers aren't showing. Um, so I guess onward. Yeah. Um, next week there'll be a Talkie Talk Survivor episode. What season y'all talking about, Brent? Marquesas. Marquesas. What Which number is that? Number four. <laughs> season number four. So Brent and Al, that'll go up next week, and then we'll have a uh, the homework that was assigned. Bling ring. Will be up in two weeks. Yep. Give me some time to watch some more Coppola. I'm gonna try to finish all of them. Nice. Cool. Yeah, that's my goal too. I, wanna, I really want to rewatch um, the, the Goddaughter trilogy. Yeah. 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 That's it. Well, cool. There they. Are. <laughs> this has been Talk Talk Podcast from MediaBias.com. You can find us on Facebook at our groups, TV Bias, Movies Bias, Games Bias. You can send us an email to MediaBiasGmail.com. You can tweet at us at the Media Bias. You can please rate us on your favorite pod listening device app uh yeah itunes is dead still i didn't resurrect it after my rambling incoherence last week look it up on podcasts <laughs> the apple podcasts app. if you just bing search podcasts <laughs> if you just open your front door and scream podcasts then someone will will give you something if you search Scott on your style. phone do i already have podcasts <laughs> podcasts will probably pop up <laughs> Uh, and I want to give a special thanks to the intro by Lil Walkers. Well, what up, Willow? Special thanks to the outro by Burifa. Booties. Ba ba ba. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye.
Kicking rocks down old dusty roads Small town slowpokes long time ago Kicking out records of all the things that I know All the things that I know 